Welcome to the Inked Film Podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week we discuss level three of Ernest Klein's 2011 novel, Ready Player One. Now let's find an internet cafe with a secure connection and log back into the Oasis. Crystal Key Unlocked. finished the book what'd you think of it james man i i like that this this book is sectioned out into level one level two and level three because level three is much different than level two and level one and yeah. all in all i had a great time with this it's just fun just a fun story easy to read a lot of yeah. references to to be like oh i know that and kind of just get that that hit of nostalgia <laughs> right yeah i mean that's that's been a recurring theme for us i think we've we've many times said how how this book is fun you know so i think that's kind of our, our the main takeaway of our reaction to it um is that we enjoy it and we think it's kind of a, a light romp but you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that it, it's clearly written to have mass appeal and to uh, not be a very challenging book i don't think anything in the plot is particularly challenging either and you know it's it wears its you know geekdom on its sleeve and and whether or not you enjoy that, I think, you know, might fall down to just personal taste and, and whether or not you connect with a lot of the titles being, you know, bandied around. <laughs> I, I've been doing a lot of research outside of the book itself since I had time. And um, so first off, I, I really looked into Ernest Klein's uh, contest that he, he, he ran with this. I, I teased it, at the, I think, in the first episode. And I said I was going to look into it more. And, and I did. Um, and we can get into some of the details of that, but they're also maybe a little bit spoilery if you, if you wanted to try and do it yourself. So I don't know if we should like save that for the, maybe later. Um, or if you want me to talk about some of it now, what do you think? Yeah, let's save it till, till we get further into the story just to finish everything out. Yeah. So you, people can look forward to that. Um, also there, I, I did a lot of research into, there's been this big backlash to this book. And there's there's a lot of hate going around on the internet and or just anger I guess um, about it. And I was I really wanted to get to because like I knew a lot of it and I've touched on it I think throughout our coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to get more into like the reasoning behind it I guess. And um, I, I found out a lot about that. But I want to save that for the end as well I think because I I, I want to just continue through with our take on it. You know what I mean? It's like kind of before I read all of this and 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 then I, at the end I can kind of present it to you and you can tell me if that affects your opinion of this book or, or what you think of it. Sounds good. I, I feel like um, when this book came out was the first, was like kind of the perfect time for it to come out because I feel like it, there was like peak nostalgia going on in the industry and with mm-hmm. everything that was coming out entertainment wise. I feel strongly that if I had read it then I would like it even more than I like it now because like we've gotten yeah. other things that have done similar things like your Stranger Things and, and a lot of these things sure. that are nostalgia fests. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I should just say that, like, it, it, I still embrace it and I still love it. But um, a couple of years ago, if I had just read the book when it first came out, I would have I would have mm-hmm. really, really like this would probably would have been one of my favorite books just because it's like the stuff that I love, you know, and it's like the stories right. that I like and that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and 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 like I still 
I don't know. I've read it twice now. Um, I'm aware of a lot of the controversy. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I still enjoy the book. Um, I think it's going to fall down to, um, like we said, personal preference and how how um, much you're willing to take the book for what it is, I guess, uh, and, and, and whether or not you're going to embrace it or, or reject it. You know what I mean? Because I think there's going to be a lot of like, you're going to have a visceral reaction to a lot to it early on. And if your visceral reaction is to, you know, to be against it, you you know, you're going to hate the whole experience. You know what I mean? So a lot of it's going to come down to that. But I, I, we can't I can't really get into more of the reasons without really getting over the, you know, talking about the controversy with you. But I do want to save that for the end, because, like I said, I don't want it to to affect our coverage. You know, I feel like we, I, I want to ride through our coverage and have it be be, you know, pure in the sense that it was before I did all this research. Yeah, let's just run into the coverage then and, and get through it so that we can talk about all that. Cool. Okay, so we start off level three with Wade in his apartment, and we learned that IOI is coming for him. Like, it's they're coming to arrest him, right? Right. I did not think that his plan was going to be like this, because remember we talked about what was the plan going to be. I thought we were just going to stay in the Oasis. And uh, right. so, yeah, I was like, holy shit, they're coming for him? How do they know where he's at? And like I'm like, they drop you right into it. Yeah. So yeah, he. I mean, it's just, it, it. Honestly, the scene is very reminiscent of something out of a minority Minority Report, in my opinion. We got these drop cops, and we they come in, and you know, I don't know. That's what I thought of at least. And they cut through his wall and basically put a bag on his head and take him to to this. Um, well, they don't actually. They just but they haul him out as a, as to become what, what we learned is called an indentured servant, essentially for IOI, because he's he's got this um, credit card debt that he hasn't paid off. We learn later is a, it's fake anyway. But the 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 idea is that IOI if you don't pay your debts to them that they literally can come and <laughs> abduct you and bring you to their facility and make you work for them to pay off your debt. And we also learned that um this is something they do a lot and that people don't ever actually aren't like pay off their debt and that they bec- and become slaves. Right, yeah. IOI has it set up to where once you pay all your bills, your housing, your food, all that health insurance, that kind of thing, after all of that's paid for, you end up with like no money. So it's really hard to pay your debt back. So you can really never get out of it. And and so this is just like further, you know, making IOI into this like terrible force that's kind of taking advantage of people. And, and, and you know, it's fun to hate. They go downtown. And, and, and uh, so so as they take Wade downtown, he sees their they're skyscrapers and they're literally shaped like IOI like it's like two like long ones and then one circular one Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're these massive um these massive buildings um which I thought was kind of funny which IOI when you when you write it out um it also kind of looks like 101 which would be like coding so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was intended or not but um did you did you think of that yeah I because we I kept seeing IOI in my notes whenever I would write it out and it's just like it's very like you know very binary Mm mm-hmm Exactly. How in on it were you where you're like, okay, he's clearly planned this. I guess like, he, he kind of reveals early on, like, this is all part of the plan. I knew but. that it was part of the plan. Like, I knew that I knew that they were, well, so so they dropped they, they dropped us into it, and they're coming into his apartment. And then, like, basically, as soon as they put him in the car, we kind of know that, like, this was planned. And then he mm-hmm. gets to the facility, and that's when we start to, like, not until he's, like, in the cell do we really understand what he's, like, what the whole plan is. Right. Yeah, he gets, like you just said, he kind of gets like put through um, this process of, and this is all in the real world. I don't know if we established that enough. Um, this is not in the Oasis. This is all, you know, Wade Watts, who is, you know, being rested as Bryce, um, his alias. 
and um, this is all something he's he's orchestrated, and he gets put through this like introduction, whatever they call it, like uh, when you're at work and they're teaching you how to do it, What's like that training videos or just like yeah. But he kind of sees it as brainwashing propaganda. Yeah, for sure. And so he goes through this process, but you, you can tell like he kind of knew it was coming, but maybe not like exactly. Um, he kind of he literally gets put on a conveyor belt and like like deloused and like washed and all this stuff, and yeah. like he's given a new outfit and like I don't know, it's kind of it was almost kind of comical a little bit, but it's all automated, I guess is the implication there. Mm-hmm. So it's also super dehumanizing, obviously, and they they put him in this like little like coffin sized thing that he basically lives in, where he sleeps. You know, there's like controlled television that he can only watch one channel and it's this like introductory video over and over again or or something and it's it's hell you know there's some weird sitcom that's like specifically like it's supposed to be a sitcom for entertainment but it's like really at the end of the day it's just propaganda brainwashing for ioi and uh this episode actually yeah makes it's me called to- tommy q and it's it's um it's literally like a laugh track over a guy who's like bumbling around and doing things wrong and having to learn the right way to do things in in this job at ioi like he's doing the same job right. yeah and this kind of episode this this kind of reminded me of an episode of black mirror where they're forced to like well, don't ride- spoil it for me have you oh, okay you, haven't, you might not have seen it so it's basically <laughs> no no actually I think I know what you're talking about. They're riding the bikes, exactly. Yeah. And then they like are I actually have seen sp- that episode. Sh- but we, yeah, we shouldn't. Exp- you know, we shouldn't spoil what happens in the episode. It's but yes. similar. It reminded me of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like earning. They have to earn credits and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, you're right. That's really that is really similar to it. So yeah, he he he. Uh, we learned that he gets a job because he, so he doesn't want to work in the oology division, which is where his skills would really lie. Because he wants to, you know, he doesn't want to be spotted by Sorrento or whatever. So instead, he um, takes these tests and he excels in tech support, which we, we know he's been doing before. And, um, you know, retroactively, I wonder if maybe he included that to, like, support this thing. Yeah. Um, which maybe you say that's a little bit of a plot hole because that didn't really feel like it, it should be something he had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like I said, this, this we've said before, this book isn't really going to hold up to like really strict strict stringent analysis and like that you know what i mean like it's gonna fall apart of course yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like he it's just like suspension of disbelief like yeah maybe he did need to do the the um you know tech support just to make money ends meet but it's really it's helpful for the end of the story so you can kind of see where it's threading through right so he he has this whole plan I, i guess i won't get into the whole intricacies of it but he's he's basically his bot these black market codes that he can use to get admin privileges in their in their intranet and he's able to get a bunch of data data mine he also is able to make it so that his like anklet and ear thing can come off and he can set up a, a he has this plan to infiltrate their system and hack into it and, and all this stuff right and the way it plays out is he eventually gets into this data and he finds out where they're at with the key he essentially finds out that sorrento has made it to the gate with the key, but they can't figure out how to open the gate. Like all the other, all the other gates just open when you when you walk up when you like put the key in, but this one doesn't. And uh, Sorrento can't figure out why not. And the whole and they're all the Sixers are working on it, and they're they're getting really desperate. Um, we learned that it has three words over it, um, which I have written down somewhere. It's like charity. Do you remember hope and? something else it was from schoolhouse rock which i was never i never really saw a lot of that i think i saw like the i'm just a bill one and that's really the only schoolhouse rock i know yeah 
I know I saw some back in school, but I can't, I don't, like, I actually do remember this particular song, um, but I just don't remember it that well, Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> anyway, well, I, I'll find it in my notes eventually, but, so, so he knows, he, he kind of thinks he knows how that this is going to work, but they're stuck on it now. Uh, he also gets um, the personal data that they have collected on each of them, um, and th- this is really interesting. Um, he finds... Uh, Artemis is first off. He does see a picture of her, and uh, we learn that she looks she looks a lot like her avatar, except for she has this like certain kind of birthmark on her face. Um, what what did you think? How did that, I mean that, that you did, you did kind of call it? I guess um, is that what you were you were kind of thinking was going to happen? I, I I mean I had no idea. She she kept saying stuff about being disfigured or being like disabled in some way, so I didn't know what yeah. to expect. Um, but it just seemed like that's where the story would would end up is just like he he sees her and he loves her anyway regardless of however she looks yeah i mean you can kind of i mean like if you haven't identified that this book is about wish fulfillment that this book is about you know what i mean like yeah this book is all is pure wish fulfillment a, you know what yeah, i mean it's, it's like a fairy tale you're going to have a good time and you're going to be happy yeah so of course like that's going to be the happiest i guess outcome I don't know. You can argue that, I guess. But like, yeah, I, I guess I kind of saw that coming too. Um, maybe I would have liked it to be subverted a little more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe a little more challenging if she wasn't, you know, just exactly like her avatar with like a birthmark or something. Like yeah. if, if it was something a little more different than that, that could have been something that maybe a little more challenging. But also, you know, I can see it maybe, you know, what I mean, you're changing a book that, that was hugely popular. So I don't know. It's just going to call that fall down to personal preference and the preference of the writer i guess yeah what kind of what kind of story you're trying to tell so then he also finds out about h a little bit although they, it seems that h they only they don't know hardly anything at all about h um because he's on the move and they don't have the, they just have a picture of his avatar um and all this stuff uh oh i should say for artemis they had her under sur- surveillance like they know where her house is and they've been watching her and all this stuff yeah same goes for shoto as well and yeah, Shoto as well. And then they, and then he watches the video on Daito, and it shows literally like a first-person guy with a camera recording them uh, killing Daito, throwing him off, and the throwing building. him off, throwing yeah, yeah, throwing him off the building. Now, why would they record it? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like that's a pretty incriminating video to make. You know how like sometimes <laughs> like people in power will have like a live feed to the soldiers on the ground, maybe of something like that, and it just like. That was the implication, I think, that, yeah, I guess maybe they were so confident that it would never get out. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's the only real explanation you can give for it, because otherwise it seems like a pretty dumb thing to record if you're going to go murder a citizen, for sure. you know what I mean, illegally. Yeah. Just like, make sure you record that, just in case, for <laughs> posterity. Um, but yeah, so he fi- he finds that, which he then downloads. Um, so he gets all this data. Yeah, honestly, though, rip, rip Daito, man. Like, he's a badass, and I, I wish he wouldn't have actually died in the real. That was honestly probably the biggest hit. Like, I didn't really care. I mean, yeah. I don't feel like we're not supposed to because they don't treat him well, but the aunt dying wasn't much, but Daito is, like, actually a big hit in the story. Yeah, I think Mrs. G is the only other, like, person that even has a name that we really care about that dies, maybe. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because she's nice to Wade, yeah. I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think Daito's death is, is uh, it is, like, the, like, kind of black moment, like, um well not really but it's it's it is yeah kind of the emotional moment i guess of the book yeah now that he knows all this about how closely they're being monitored he he's like well, i have to act more quickly than i originally intended he had this whole plan where he was gonna get his debt paid off and then get like automated discharge but instead he has to orchestrate this you know escape 
um, which is kind of a fun escape from the, the place moment. So he hacks into the system, sets his debt balance to zero, and then he like disables his you know ear gear and, and ankle anklet, and um, he has this security outfit that he's stowed away. Um, he puts that on, and he looks like he's you know a security like maintenance guy, I guess. And he heads out. He encounters all these other people who like work there for their actual day jobs and aren't indentured mm-hmm. servants. Um, and you know, one of them like stops him and says, Oh, your ear's bleeding. But other than that, he kind of doesn't really get noticed, even though he's wearing these like plastic slippers and I don't know, it was kind of, it was kind of a tense moment, but you know, nothing really bad happens. It just works. Um, and at one point he records himself like flipping off a camera cause he knows Sorrento's going to see it later. So that was fun. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I thought for sure he was going to get caught here. Like I was predicting, I was like, there's no way he makes it out of here scot-free. But he totally hit the plan. But he does. <laughs> yeah, the plan goes off without a hitch. Yeah, basically, yeah, exactly as planned. Um, so he gets out and he uh, he goes to this mailbox where he's sent the mailbox like um, a a basically like top of the line portable Oasis rig that he's able to log back into the Oasis with. And this is the first time he's back in Barzival in like a week. So he kind of reappears back online. He sees he has all these messages um, from the high, you know, the high four, I guess now. And he responds to them and he tells um, each of them about the plans that uh, the Sixers have. Oh, uh, there was also a big plan that that uh, he found in there where they were going to abduct Artemis and Shoto and force them to help them open the gate and then murder them after they're after they are done. Mm-hmm. So that w- that's the Sixer plan. And they're like about to do it. Right. He also like gets away with a bunch of files. He has like a hard drive full of files, basically. Yeah, uh, some insane amount of data. <laughs> yeah, like Zigabyte or something. I forget what they actually. <laughs> yeah, say. I don't remember either. Yeah, it's a lot though. Then he erases Bryce Lynch and he becomes Wade Watts again with his like um, scans and everything. So he's a he's he has like quite a bit of hacking chops, which seemed a little bit to come out of nowhere. Um, but like I I buy it just enough because a lot of people who do like a lot of this kind of stuff like do know how to hack at least a little bit mm-hmm. and all like computer programmers and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I buy it, but, um, yeah, he does have like some pretty, pretty impressive hacking chops, I guess. And he's able to like hack databases and change his identity and all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. I actually did like the changing the identity and then being able to flip back. And that was such a, that was a cool, like, cause that was, I felt like that was earned because he planted that early on with having to change his identity when he first ran away and then he yep. like th- he used that alias as like a throwaway person that that he was able to do all this stuff with. It was cool. Yeah. So there's this weird thing where he gets like a gun and like armor, like flak vest and all this stuff. Yeah. Was that supposed to be um, to to create tension? For because I didn't understand. Yeah, I don't know because it doesn't go anywhere. Right. He never uses it. <laughs> so so it's it feel it felt kind of like a um like a story thread that that um, Klein put in with the expectation that he was eventually going to use it. And then in the course of writing it, just like never used it. And then, I don't know, it almost felt weird to keep it in there, I guess. Yeah, it, maybe he's it like, feels like Chekhov's gun that never gets fired. I exactly. Guess, you That's know? exactly what I was going to say is that it feels like he's like, uh, like he's maybe trying to subvert the idea that like if there is a gun, it has to go off. So maybe like we're supposed to be right. anticipating it and subverting expectations. I mean, maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, I mean, it, Chekhov's gun, I mean, I could do the whole thing about that. It's not really, it's not really about a gun. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a storytelling principle. But yeah, um, in, in this, in this situation, it, he has this thing that you, you, you go, oh, this is, you know, and then just nothing happens with it. And it also is, um, 
I don't know. There, there is a little bit about like it's from a vending machine, yet he still has to have his like criminal history scanned and like all this. It actually seems like it's kind of hard to get it. And then it has like a 12 hour um, cooling off period before you can fire it. And it gets linked to his DNA. Um, so there's kind of some interesting gun tech in there that maybe Klein wanted to talk about that could potentially make things more safe. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I could see that. I don't know, but still, he gets it pretty easily. So that's <laughs> the other side of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, just because you know, you know, gun control is a you know pretty hot button thing right now. I, it was something I noticed. Um, so he he does go to a internet cafe called the Plug, and he drops eleven thousand dollars on um on, on reserving the like highest end, most deluxe version of the like uh, room for the Oasis that has like super crazy gear. And the biggest, fattest pipe connection that he can, like, money can buy. And, 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 and yeah, I don't know, some, some insane amount of money, but, it, you know, he has it. The store clerk is like, yeah, if you're good for $11,000 or whatever, and he doesn't, he's, like, surprised yeah. when it goes through. Well, I mean, also, like, this is another example of Wade having a lot of money where he wouldn't need to be doing a low-end tech support job. But anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> This is all from his endorsements. This is the only reason this makes sense, right? Like, he has money now. Right. Once he gets in there, he uploads all the data to the Oasis. Um, so now it's, like, backed up, I guess, online. And he emails all major news outlets with the video uh, of the murder of Daito. And also the recording of Sorrento talking to him, which he threatens to murder him and blows up the stack. So pretty incriminating stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He drafts an email that he says is going to be for every Oasis user, and we don't get the uh, content of it yet. And then he goes to the basement to meet with the High Four. So now that he's done this whole gambit, like, what what did you think in general of the gambit? I guess of of this whole thing was it like? Did, did it feel clever? Did it feel? I mean, you said it was surprising, right? Right. It was definitely surprising. Um, I I said in an earlier episode that like when we come out of the Oasis, I felt like that was the weaker stuff. Like that was the stuff that I didn't want to, and maybe right. maybe purposely didn't want to have in the story like i was just like oh man i want to get back to the oasis mm-hmm. and this th- at the beginning of this chapter i was like shit we're gonna be out in the real world as i started level level three and uh yeah. i think by the end of it i was like oh that was a fun little side story of stuff that he did seemed like he really it seemed like a seemed like a crazy plan to me like seemed like he really well executed mm-hmm. because he pulled it off with all these variables that have could have gone extremely poorly but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was cool to see something. I think it was cool to see Wade do something cool in the real instead of just his Oasis character yeah. doing cool stuff. I think narratively, it's pretty important to kind of reestablish the outside world and how important it is and the existence of it. And, it, you know, he also drives through the city at times and sees all these people who are really poor and huddled around, you know, these like uh burning you know barrels or whatever you want to call it. you know what i mean like little portable heaters whatever um he just sees like kind of the misery out there and and it kind of underlines maybe the need for social change and um which you know becomes important later exactly so so yeah i think i think it's good to kind of ground us back in the real especially before we have this big online thing <laughs> so speaking of that um he has the conversation with the with the uh, the high four. You know, Artemis is angry at him for looking at her file and invading her privacy. Um, understandably, eventually, kind of right. Understandably, yeah. yeah like I kind of yeah. I remember when he did it. I was like, oh, you're gonna go ahead and look at her picture. Exactly. That's kind of shitty of you. It just seems like yeah. he, like he if he I don't know. It's just like if he was a nice guy, he wouldn't have looked. You know, like I guess it ended yeah, up saving but, her, but. 
I mean, I could see like accidentally because like he needed to look at the file to see what they knew about her. Um, so like if it's just like right there, as soon as you click the file, like you can't not see it. And he does end up saving their lives because he knows what they know about what, what the Sixers know about them, which is important. So I can see it. But like he also doesn't like say that he feels particularly bad about He's it. He's pretty soaked about you it. Know it I mean? seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, anyway, they all come around and kind of end up end up thanking him for 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 what he's done. Um, charity, charity, hope, and faith. Faith, I think, is the one I was forgetting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found it in my notes. So they watch a video of Sorrentos trying trying to open it, and they're all kind of thinking about it, like what's going on. And then uh, Wade reveals the, the Schoolhouse Rock song. Three is a magic number. Um, they they realize that they have four copies. So when um, when they do this big battle which is the plan, you know, once he gets down the gate uh, or the the shield, they're going to have this big battle. And he's like, three of us need to survive and make it so that we can, because it's going to take all three of us to open it. Right. And he's figured that out. He also is being really cagey and he's like, oh, the the shield will be down. You know what I mean? Like he's he's like promising that like, it, it like, but he's not revealing how. Yeah. Um, he's like, he's like, I've planned it. You know what I mean? So it'll go perfectly because I planned it. Just, yeah. Just for like dramatic tension, I guess. Cause he, he, you would think in that situation he could just explain the plan. Right. But instead he's like, Oh, just trust me. It'll be down. (laughs) Um, so he shows them the email and it's a call for everyone in the Oasis to fight against the Sixers. And, um, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of cheesy almost like it's very like, but then like it's, it's kind of lampshaded by the fact that it, that it says knavery at the beginning and then they all make fun of him for it. Right. So, you know, it's just like a call to action to fight against the, 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 the stupid Sixers. Right. Yeah. They kind of theorize they're like, oh, I wonder if people actually show up or if people are just going to like come and like watch and you know what I mean? Like, are the people actually going to help? And, and they're kind of hoping that people will, will rally together. And then they're like, well, um, which we know is what happens. Yeah. And then they're like, I don't even know how we're going to fight in this battle because we're all like homeless and on the run and stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 So they, so they say that. And then um, and then, hello, <laughs> it's it's Ogden Morrow. And I've been here listening all along. He pops in. Um, he, he pops into existence in the in the basement, their private chat room and reveals that he was behind the books toppling over which i believe was one of your theories you kind of brushed like i don't I think remember you threw if it i out said there, him specifically but i definitely felt like it was like something like good guys in lurking in the background okay so what did you think of the reveal that it was ogden morrow i thought it was cool but i also felt like it was like deus ex machina like it was just like it was just <laughs> A like bit, i'm right? gonna save the day <laughs> yeah well and it's also um it's kind of weird because it's like he's very helpful and he clearly wants them to succeed. But he won't do anything. And he has anything. all these powers. But why has he waited till this moment right. to like reveal Well, why himself? doesn't he just you know like, I mean? yeah, if it was going to be an issue, why doesn't he just like nickel and dime the Sixers while everybody else is, you know what I mean? Like, he, I don't know. I get well, that he wants I, I guess, somebody I guess else the def- to succeed. And, and Yeah. I think the defense of it is that he swore to Halliday to like uphold the spirit of his contest. So he doesn't want to like help too much right but you could also say that the sixers are cheating so if, if he's like you know what i mean like if he if he if he sabotaged the sixers more that that would that would be in the spirit of helping holiday's contest go off so i don't know it, it, this is the only way that it works for this story i guess so you have to kind of suspend disbelief yeah there's a broken ass artifact that he could have taken out of play that would have made the game a little more fair <laughs> artifact op yeah yeah Please nerf. Yeah, so he uh 
he shows up and he's like, oh, you know, I, I have the perfect thing. He's going to charter private jets to like each of them and have them flying flown out to Oregon. Um, so funny. Which, you know, he's like Oregon land of Rivendell. He's like Oregon is, <laughs> is beautiful this time of year. And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't know. Luke is loving this right now. <laughs> I mean, it is. <laughs> it is. beautiful. Um, I don't know what time of year. of year it was in the book. I think it was supposed to actually kind of cold because it was like snowing at one point or something yeah. but anyway so i'm um, assuming klein uh, is he from portland he's like because because he released his book at no Mind i Control, I, right? I don't remember I, I don't remember exactly where he was from but we when we did the research yeah he was not born in oregon and he lives in austin okay so i i don't know um he's definitely been to oregon i know that he's been to ground control right. to do a book signing um uh drove up in his delorean you know <laughs> to do it um so but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his connection to Portland may or may not be, but in Oregon, other than maybe he just is a fan. Yeah, <laughs> which I which I nice get. place. H the, is the only person who's not going to get flown like directly is um, H and 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 Wade. Um, and he asks H like if he's willing to pick up Wade in his RV because H is like pretty nearby, um, and then then take him to the airport where they can come together mm-hmm. um, to to fly out to to uh, his house in Oregon. So that's what H agrees to do, but then he says, um, well, you know, not yet, but so um, eventually H says, you know, I don't look anything like my avatar, man, so, be, you know, be ready for that. And he's he's cool about it. He's like, yeah, he's like, neither do I, but, you know, I, you're my best friend, so I'll see you soon kind of thing. Right. So, at you know, that's that's the end of this meeting. Uh, Ogden leaves, and uh, we, we know that all, all these news outlets pick up the 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 video and are showing it and we we hear that you know the accusation of murder is kind of getting bandied about in the news um and wade goes to sleep and a few hours later he wakes up and h has arrived in his rv to pick him up uh he climbs inside and it's very like it's very like um cinematic because he like he goes inside and he can't see anything and then he has to go to the front and like part the the curtains and then he sees that h is actually not a he but a she, um, described as a heavyset African-American girl, um, and she turns around and smiles at him, and he, like, recognizes the smile as H. Um, he's a bit shell-shocked, but uh, they both start laughing about it together, and they find that they're, like, actually good friends, um, and he gives her a hug. Dude, I... So, and he says, like, oh, it doesn't matter. So, so what did you think of this I reveal? personally love this part, dude. I, I thought it was great. Um, didn't see it coming. I was I was just assuming that you know he's gonna look different, but he is actually a she. Um, and like that that reveal that they've been like talking and hanging out for all these years, and and like her reasoning, like the story reasons behind it, makes sense too. And it kind of calls out the yeah. bullshit that is like you know like privilege and and yeah. Or it, I I wish it had, I wish it had gone farther because I think I think it it recognizes. Like, that's why she chose a white man avatar, right? Like, that's she chose it because she found that she'll be treated differently and, and be afforded more privilege in the game. Right. The implication of that is that it's shitty and it shouldn't be that way. But it doesn't, he, like, I guess they don't really talk about, they don't have a t- conversation about that at all. Yeah, um, I see that. I wish, so, I do wish that it yeah. was like, it was like more emphasizing like this, like, like people do have privilege and like, like people need to realize that like, like, things things should be done in order to you know what i mean in order to negate that and and make it so that the others are there could have been i I think there could have been a really good conversation here about what it is like to be outside the white male demographic online playing video games right and like it's it's i feel like it's hinted at you know what i mean like it's um but it's not 
he doesn't really talk about it. And he doesn't talk about how shitty it must be to have to hide your identity. And why is it like that? And you know what I mean? Like, why, why does H feel, I mean, not, not like, I mean, like, we know why it's like that, but like, why isn't it different? I guess. I mean, why can't it be different? Right. Yeah. I just wish, yeah. It, it, I think that, that he was doing the right thing by, by acknowledging it. And, and I, like you say, I, I do kind of, I was happy that it was acknowledged because it felt like there was a lot of white guys in the, in the story and a lot, I mean, sure. he does have a Shoto and Daito, but it seemed like there was only yeah. one woman and to have the reveal and, yeah. and she's also a lesbian. Uh, I thought yeah. that was, I, I don't know. I think that he was trying to, as a white man, I think he was trying to, to, like you said, I don't think it goes far enough, but I think he was trying to do something to to call, you know, call it out. Yeah. And, and, and like we said in the first episode, I think, where I said, I, th- I, th- I think this book has a good heart. And, and I think that Ernest Klein meant well when he when he did it. And this is uh, one of the reasons I think that like, I think that this is this is an attempt right um, to him to break down barriers and, 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 and maybe sh- shake some people who have these preconceived notions and go, you know, you don't know, but there's the other side of it where you can say this also kind of smacks of the, of the, the people who say like, you know, race doesn't matter. And they use that as a way to um, discount any person of color who comes out saying like, this is like shitty to me. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, um, like they want, they just want to say like, all is equal, all lives matter, like that kind of stuff. Like, stop. Why are you talking about black lives matter? It should be all lives matter. And so I can also see that if you could read this as that kind of thing too, like it's like, he's like, oh, it doesn't matter because you've basically pretended you're a white dude all along. So that we're, you know, we're good to go. Um, I think it just has something to do with like people not acknowledging their privilege and just saying like. Right. Oh, we should all be equal while also being yeah. people who've been treated well for their whole lives. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And I wanted more of an introspective moment from Wade where he maybe recognizes what um, she's had to go through um, and, and the, the, the culture that exists online on the Oasis that has made make her have to, you know, pretend she's a white man and maybe have a moment where he's like, oh, that's really shitty. And like, I didn't even, I've never had to experience that sort of discrimination. And, and I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like there could have been more here, I guess. And, and ultimately a lot of, we'll get into the controversy later. I think a lot of the controversy could have been not necessarily negated, but um, it could have been softened a little bit if there had been more in this moment, this could have been a moment where it could have done more, mm-hmm. I guess. So, but let's, let's move on. So next up, they all arrive basically. Oh, well, I guess I should go more into it. So H is actually Helen Harris and um, we didn't talk about it, but she, she says that what happened was she was uh, raised and, um, and her mother was like, oh, if you make a white man avatar, you people treat you better online. And then, and so she did that. Her mom knew that from experience and then, because her mom was like from experience. Do, doing business in the Oasis. And she was a white, she yeah. had a white man avatar and, and realized the privilege that a white man gets and, and right. was able to manipulate that and use that to her advantage. Yeah. And then um, at some point, um, Helen comes out as gay and then, but that her mother was like, not okay with that. And so like many people do, um, and, and you know many teens do often, um, got kicked out of her house and became like a homeless on the run kind of LGBT uh, community member. You know what I mean? Like that's like something that happens a lot. I know in Portland, 
Like uh, that's a lot of the the younger homeless here. It's a similar kind of situation. People have been kicked out of their homes um, by parents who are not okay with their their uh, sexual orientation. Yeah, he kind of makes a comment about how she uh, the her, H's mother recognized these prejudices that people had towards you know African American women. And yet she she still was pre- had her own prejudices towards right. you know sexual orientation and and that kind of thing. So I, I that's something else I feel like he was bringing attention to is like sure yeah and I think that's good yeah absolutely um and and yeah I, I like the idea of like some person can be forward thinking in one way but not in another right you know and and that can cause all this problem so um so that that's you know her her life story which she reveals on their plane right over to Ogden Morrow's home. Um, when they land there, they see that it is basically this giant floodlit mansion that is made to look like, like exactly like Rivendell mm-hmm. <laughs> out of um, Fellowship of the Ring, which I mean, we should just announce now yeah. um, <laughs> is going to be our next project. We decided we're going to um, we're going to do that. We, we found we had they finally got a release date for Fahrenheit 451. So we knew that we are going to be able to fit in Fellowship of the Ring. We'll do that as a standalone project. Read the book, see the movie, and then we will get into Fahrenheit 451 after that yeah so that's like our next month or so of of stuff so i think two months yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a good bit of content i'm so excited for um, for fellowship it's i mean it's one of my favorite stories and movies so i'm really excited for that one and i really just i just had the, a similar situation flying into oregon as they are having you know what i mean seeing oregon oh, for yeah? the first time and seeing the waterfalls and the mountains and it's very fo- foresty so i mean yeah. very i was like oh what is this rivendell and then they said it yeah Looks like Middle Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I there's a place here called the the Gorge that I always think of. Yeah, always think of Middle Earth when I when I drive through that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so so Ogden Morrow's got this crazy mansion that he's made look like this. Um, he shows up and he's there in like a plaid bathrobe and bunny slippers. So he's like he's kind of like a funny eccentric billionaire. I don't know, lovable guy. Do Do you know who plays him in the movie? Have you seen? Um, I don't think so. Simon Pegg. Oh, okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. he plays Ogden Morrow. I love Simon so, Pegg. So it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how he's portrayed in the, in the movie. And uh, yeah, so so he takes him inside and, and he has this super geeky house that like he literally takes a torch off the wall and walks him, you know, <laughs> down a hallway and all this stuff. And they, they have these super state-of-the-art, um, I mean, like, and when I say state-of-the-art, this is the most state-of-the-art brooms for the the rigs to get onto the oasis and he finds out that shoto and artemis are already there and they're in their own rooms but they don't want to like talk before the big battle they want to like focus right so he doesn't actually get to meet artemis yet um and it's (laughs) and i don't know to me it's very clearly being saved at the end it's like that'll be the that'll be the end when he when he meets her yeah um i don't know if you you picked up on that yeah for sure as he's coming in he sees uh kira mora's gravestone um, which we know is the the wife of Ogden Morrow who died in a car crash, um, and we've heard something about um, Halliday also also being in love with. Um, and at one point, he gets a, a kind of a private conversation with Og, and he asks about why him and Halliday had this falling out, and he reveals that uh, essentially Halliday was overcome with jealousy once he um, got married to Kira. And because of that, their, like, friendship fell apart, um, which is really shitty. And, like, I, I don't know, like, I guess I can under, like, I, I assume this kind of stuff does happen. But, like, I don't know, was, I felt 
like it was a it was a, it was a moment where it was like really sad that these two friends couldn't like find a way to to keep their friendship going over this i don't know yeah it's definitely yeah it's definitely a bummer when stuff like that happens i don't know it's one of those things where it's like i think had they both been you know on his deathbed as holiday's sick i'm sure given the chance he would you know try to have mended that friendship sooner and yeah. you know all that wasted time where they could have been friends it's just one of those things and then to lose his wife as well when og loses his wife it's like he he's yeah. the only one left to carry on this legacy of of holiday stuff and i don't know it's cool that they come back together yeah. at the end i guess what i wish what it could have happened you know i mean obviously like i think narratively this makes the most sense as it did but you know what you would hope would happen is like so his wife died ogdemaro's wife died and then they didn't repair the friendship then it wasn't until holiday got sick and set up the um the whole contest where before he finally reached out to og and even revealed all of this because og didn't even know about it yeah um which almost seems kind of i don't know maybe he just didn't know the extent of it i guess um but yeah, like you would you would have hoped that when she died, like that would have been the time for Halliday to come forward and 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 connect reconnect with him and and maybe mend mend the fences, but instead he waited until he was dying. Yeah. Um but you know, people don't always do things that, you know, maybe are in their best interests or or whatever, right? Right. So inside this um this room, it's like a giant sphere that rotates like a hamster ball. Um and it's the most top of the line rig, right? And I just I don't know if I've talked enough about it here, but there's a ton of technology that's currently in development um for this like brain body interface where literal mess like um information via like electrical impulses can be sent to your brain and make you think that you are like touching something and and like simulate basically the the functions that our senses use to show us the world and that technology is already being developed you know what i mean um and it's i continued to be like i think for this story to work you have to assume that that technology either isn't being used or isn't viable or too expensive or whatever it is but there's some reason why this isn't a thing but you would think the best way you could do it is to like matrix style hack into the, basically you know that's like a gro- like a you know primitive form of it but have some sort of interface where you are in a virtual world right. and like perceive it like it's like a real one yeah um but instead it's all still like just really fancy vr like headset kind of stuff yeah maybe yeah i think it's probably has to do with the cost but uh just because it's like how cost effective could it be to give everybody something that immersive? You know what I mean? Only the richest of the rich could get a hold of that, um, that kind of technology. Well, even, I mean, yeah, even thirty years in the when future. When they started getting to the high end rigs, that was when I was surprised that we didn't get into some of that. Yeah, you know what true. I mean? Because it's like these super expensive rigs. Like instead of building an entire rotating room and like all this crazy stuff, like just have some sort of thing that's like a, a brain interface. Yeah. Now there is like a strong there's a group of people who would never sign up to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's too, you know, reality bending to, to do that. But I feel like gamers are not, you know, these kind of gamers are not those people. Like they would probably love the chance to, to experience the Oasis as if it was reality fully. I think, like I said, I think it's also a narrative thing. Like this story makes more sense. I think if you tell it this way. So next up we have this really big fight, but I think before we get to that, let's stop and take a moment and tell you all about Audible. Yeah, Audible is a great service that that we use pretty frequently. Uh, you're able to listen to audiobooks. They have like 80,000 in their collection and mm-hmm. they've been nice enough to give us an affiliate link. It's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. 
And with that, you get 30 free days to their service and one free audiobook in their collection. Yeah, and I, I wanted to under, uh, emphasize that you own this book. You know what I mean? This free book is yours forever. So if you cancel your subscription, it'll still be there in your library online for you to download and listen to at any time. Um, so when we say 33 days, it's not like at the end of 30 days, it expires and deletes it off your phone. You know what right. I mean? Like that book is yours forever. Go get like a 200 hour um, book and then you'll have it forever. You know, yeah. I don't know if they have that. <laughs> well, you but. could get, you could get, uh, like dance with dragons, which is, or like a Brandon Sanderson novel, which is probably like 40 hours. So, uh, it, I think it's like a 40 hour audio book. So there you go. Get your money's worth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we wanted to go ahead and recommend fellowship of the ring. Um, cause that's our next project and we're, we're, you know, in the story we're in right now, we're in, we're in Oregon and it looks like it. So, um, that was going to be our recommendation. If you wanted to go ahead and get a, get a, get that started, listen to it. I know I, I've listened to some of that audiobook. Um, I don't know the narrator's name, but I, he does a really good job of like capturing that Tolkien mood. Um, so it's a fun way to, to experience it. Um, and then, like I said, we've said, uh, this book we're, you're, you're, we're in now is read by Will Wheaton. And I think is I think the audio book is like the best way to maybe enjoy this novel, but you know, you could argue that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to the audio book for, for Lord of the Rings or fellowship specifically, but, um, amazing story. Can't wait to get to it. Yeah. And if you, so if you want to get that for free, um, and you, and you haven't signed up for audible yet, Go ahead and sign up and make sure that you use our uh, our link here, which is audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And yeah, you use that and you'll get it for free. All right, let's get back into it. Um, so Wade has Leopardon, which he uses, and that was the uh, the the robot he got, um, which I Googled because I didn't know who Leopardon was. And like, it's like, it's pretty funny. It's like, a, it looks like a big a guy in a suit. You know what I mean? Like it's very clearly from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, did you look fully into it? Cause it was the, it was that thing that I was talking about. It was, it was, uh, so it's literally this, this show in, in Japan, it's a Spider-Man show in Japan and it's literally Spider-Man's mech that he calls over. I did not know yeah, that. Isn't no, it crazy? I, didn't, I guess I didn't get into it's it. It's wild. It, no. it turns into a ship that you can fly and then it also turns into like a mech and it's like Spider-Man's ship. So it's like, it's pretty wild, man. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to get Iron Giant in the movie, but still, yeah, that is cool to, to think about. I looked up uh, the, the opening song, the theme song, and it's got like spider. It's it's very 70s superhero show. Nice. So you called that one. Um, so, yeah, he um, I, I guess I, I just didn't realize the connection. He basically heads to the planet, uh, hooks up with um, Artemis uh, H and Shoto. He, he finds that they all have their own mechs. Um, I don't know if you, I, I, I think I wrote them all down. You can tell me which ones you knew here. Artemis is, is driving the female version of something called Transor Z, no. which is from like some anime, like obs- fairly obscure. Oh, anime I, have no, I, I don't know what it's from. I don't even know if it is an anime, but no, it was, it was from like a manga or something. Okay. He says, cool. um, I just can't remember the name of the, the anime, but I figured if you knew it, you would have been like, oh, but since you didn't, no. you probably just skimmed over it. <laughs> um, H is in Gu- is in Gundam, like oh, a yeah. Gundam man. Oh, yeah, H. Um, <laughs> Me too, man. Which is cool, right? Yeah, and then Shoto is in a, a mech called Raideen, um, which is from like another show about Raideen, and it's another just mech show from Japan, I guess. Yeah, I'm not Were you familiar not with it at all? Know. Yeah, okay. I wasn't either. Um, so there's also like, he notices that there's no lag in this region at all, even with like hundreds of thousands of avatars here now and all this stuff going on, which bullshit, I think you also have to suspend disbelief a little bit. Like you're like, Oh, Ogden Moro magic. He's making it have no lag, but, or, you know what I mean? But also like the system 
would you know what I mean? Well, like there is still okay, so, a physical system that has to handle right, all this. So it's right? like servers that Halliday was working on five years before, and I know this is the future, but he yeah. was working on them five years ago. Who's upkeeping? Aug maybe upkeeping them and and updating and changing. Yeah. But no way, and like no way literally that, half the population of the oasis is in exactly, one sector. Exactly, right no way, now, which is like never that. happened before. Exactly. Yeah. Do you? So what this should actually look like is if you ever like go to a raid on like Ogremar or something in WoW, and and just like everything's just lagging and like you just see people like yeah shooting clipping around and and then you're just dead all of a sudden like that's probably what should have happened. Um, but maybe, I, I don't know, maybe their personal internet connection is so strong too at Ogdenmoro's house. Maybe that's why. Yeah, but some kid in, in his basement on his on his oasis that like shows up is like, jittery, yeah. he's like, I'm here for the battle. And then he just lags out and then is dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Sorrenter comes out and they kind of talk through the shield and he's like, I don't know how you think you're getting in here, but if you do, you know, I'm going to be ready. And he puts down his robot and he's was the first one to get it. So he got the best one, I guess. And it's Mecha Godzilla. And he turned and he's literally twice the size of everybody else. Crazy. Um, what did you, what did you think of this reveal? Nuts, man. I mean, Mecha Godzilla is like end all be all. <laughs> yeah. He's the ultimate mech, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he turns into that. Oh, also, uh, so he has these 10 guys behind him, and they form um, mechs from Evangelion. Or I don't know, I've never had to say that. Yeah, Neon, um, that's Neon another Genesis, anime, right? Evangelion, yeah. Neon Genesis, yeah. And then also all five of the Voltron uh, tigers, I guess. Which was sweet, guess, dude. Right? I was stoked for that. It was cool, but... How do you not let it make they Voltron? Don't form Voltron. They don't form Voltron before the shield comes down, and then they get killed before they can. How do you let that happen? And I'm like... You form Voltron right now yeah. while you have a chick. You know what I mean? Like, that's the first thing you do. I guess that's the problem with the show. So maybe that was a joke about the show. Yeah. Um, That they always wait forever to form Voltron until it's like the last possible second. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know what we should do? We should do that crazy <laughs> thing idea. where we always win. <laughs> yeah, we should do that thing that always makes us kill this this thing that we're struggling with. Um, so maybe it was a joke about that, which if so, okay. But it was funny that it was like they didn't form Voltron. They all got killed and then that never happened. Mm-hmm. So. I would have loved to see Voltron, you know, I don't know, even for the bad guys, like kicking some ass. I, if Voltron's in the movie, I'll also be stoked about that. Yeah, it could be. Um, so, yeah, we, we we get this little moment that's told in the third person, and it's, it's kind of waved away because it's like, I don't know for sure that this happened, but I assume this is what happens. Um, and we get the story about uh, a droid, which we learn they all look like Johnny Five. Which um, seemed like there was like a flimsy reason for that, but it was just kind of fun to imagine. Yeah. Um, have you seen Johnny Five? Yeah. Did you, short do you know this reference? Yeah, Short Circuit. Short Circuit. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I mean, that whole movie uh, I learned later has got some pretty terrible racist things going on with it, but I didn't know that as oh, a kid. I, seen I just it in enjoyed such it a long time. I well, like. I mean, you can tell me about it later. The, I, the, I I don't know if it's in all of them, but it might be. Um, but the main character, who's like an Indian guy. Um, do you remember this, the, the main guy so um, vaguely, in the barely, movie? Yeah. Anyway, he's not actually Indian. He's a, he's a, he's a white man and, and brown oh, face. Oh, shit. Acting Indian. Jesus, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's if it's all brown face or if it's just like he's acting Indian and like made to look kind of Indian. Awful. But it's it's a white Real dude. Real bad idea. I did not know that as a kid. Yeah. So Real bad idea. You know what I mean? Like, But yeah, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Um, that's what I've heard since. Anyway, the movie, you know, what, what, whatever. 80s were a terrible time in some ways. <laughs> um, and uh, so this droid rolls into an armory, um, gets this mega bomb, takes it up to, um, to like, up into this place where all of these high-level wizards are and the guy who's operating the, the, the artifact and detonates and vaporizes all of them. 
um, which lowers the the shield and the battle commences. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily do a complete play by play here, but basically all the yeah we already said all the mechs to, to get destroyed before they can form Voltron on the, on the, on the sixer size. They're really out. They're really outnumbered. Um, and the clans are all there, and the, like, all of these people are like basically slaughtering them. The only difference being Mechagodzilla is basically invincible um, and is able to just like wreck havoc, right? And Sorrento's in that one. And um, there is a, a, a joke gets made by Atreus, like, I guess we got to the final boss. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's a bit of lampshading again, because it totally is mm-hmm. like set up just like a video game final boss, right? Definitely. So like they kind of re- they kind of talked about before, like if hopefully at least three of them can make it into the gate up to the gate because they realized that they needed three people to, to turn to do the keys at the same time. So all four of them are yeah, kind of so, like fighting, but also trying to get to the to the gate. Yeah, and then Shoto's like, I'll distract him. You guys go on, essentially. Shoto takes them on one-on-one. They all go. H and, and, and Artemis get through the gate. Um, but then... but then um, Shoto. Shoto, yeah, is, is, is fighting. And Parzival, like, turns around to kind of, like, see what happens. And uh, Shoto gets, like, a... Like, cuts off Mechagodzilla's arm in, like, a really cool, like, attack. And then, for some reason, just, like, flies straight at the gate and then gets destroyed. Which I thought, like, considering how good of a gamer Shoto is, it felt like, a I don't know, kind of a silly moment to me that he would get taken out like mm-hmm. that. But narratively, it works, right? Right. Um, so Shoto's uh, avatar gets killed. And um, Parzival's like, Wade today. Yeah. And, and uh, he also Wade's, um, he gets taken, like, part, like, his mech gets blasted, too, by the, like, lightning attack mm-hmm. that he used, that uh, Sorrento used. Mm-hmm. And um, so he ends up popping the... Uh, Beta capsule, the the beta capsule, and uh, and turns into forms Ultraman, and then fights Mechagodzilla. So pretty sweet. There you go. Pretty sweet. <laughs> um, so that's fun. Um, they have this big fight, and and so it's also kind of like it's almost I don't know. It's almost a selfish moment, but he also like kind of justifies it as like he needs to have Sorrento publicly humili- humiliated for everything he's done. But what he could have done is just gone into the gate and been like, fuck it. Yeah. But um. Instead, he takes on Sorrento, right? He wrecks him, too, like, um, easily. Yeah, he basically slaughters him. Um, Sor- Sorrento blasts off Mechagodzilla's head as, like, an escape thing, and then, like, tries to fly away, and then he just, like, shoots it out of the sky. Um, Killing Sorrento's and, and, avatar. And kills, kill, kills Sorrento's avatar. Yeah, so, you know, him and, you know, Shoto is not dead. It's his avatar got killed, and same thing with Sorrento. So my thing was, um, like, so, we, he, um, so if, if this is something that I had a question because I figured eventually somebody's avatar would die. If your avatar dies, couldn't you just start a new character, level one, and just go back to exactly where you were and hopefully be able to pick up your gear or something? I mean, someone else is probably going to collect it. Um, you can't travel. Like, traveling is so hard. You wouldn't have any money. I don't think it'd be easy to get back to like some sector, like literally across the like you know all of the oasis. Um, but theoretically, if your stuff could sit there untouched, I think you could like like Dark Souls esque. Like if you got back to your bloodstain, like literally pick up your stuff. Right. I guess you could. Probably I just could. figured that like because like there's just they they kind of just the in this situation for the rest of the for the rest of the book, they anybody who dies gets like they just like stand there and like talk to. Parzival, and I'm just like, why don't you go respawn in a new avatar and try to do something? I think it would just take too yeah. long. I think is the implication to 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 get back to there. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he's he's done that, and he goes he goes inside, 
and um, they all they all know their little order. They're going to do things, and they put in their keys, and they turn them together, and they open the gate, and then they're getting ready to go in, and uh, then everybody dies, and uh, Wade's avatar gets killed. And I, how surprising was this moment? I was like, oh, shit. I freaked out for sure. <laughs> um, I did not expect. I knew the bomb was going to go off eventually, and I actually kind of thought for a second that the, the, the Johnny Five robot had, had the crazy bomb. But right. Uh, yeah, when this went off, I was just like, okay, so now what? Like, th- is he gonna be able to restart yeah. and get in there and go go get all the keys again really quick? And yeah, so instead we find out that he uh, he he gets at the game over screen instead of the usual game over. You know, he instead gets like, you have an extra life. Would you like to use it or whatever? Yeah. Um, and we find out that he has an extra life, which came from the coin that he got at the center of arcade. Um, from completing uh completing Pac-Man. So, yeah, what did you think of that? I didn't. I mean, I incorrectly predicted this. I didn't know it, what the coin was for, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, it's hard to know. Yeah, it's a bonus he, life, but I mean, it makes sense. I though, thought right? it was pretty interesting. There's something about this story where, when when he's setting up for something, um, you can kind of tell um a decent amount of the time. I'm not going to say all the time, sure, but like with the coin. I don't know. There's just like a certain amount of predictability, but that also goes along with what you were saying before. It depends on what kind of story you're trying to tell. And this book, this book isn't very subtle. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it like it is kind of obvious. A lot of the stuff that happens or at least like that something like that yeah. is going to happen. And I almost wouldn't want it to because yeah. like a subtle, I don't know that there is a place to be subtle and also have like Ultraman fighting Mechagodzilla. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. I, I think, I, I think it fits for the story. Okay. So, um, he is the only, you know, Wade is the only one who survives because of this. Everyone else is dead. And then, yeah, um, Og, like, puts it, in, uh, puts Artemis and, and Shoto and H into his ears so that they can see what he's doing and talk to him. Um, and they're like, you know, why the fuck did you live? What, what's up? And he reveals how, you know, what happened, how he got the extra life and how he kind of forgot about it, didn't even know what it would do. Um, and <laughs> I like this. This is revealed that literally half the population of Oasis died in that blast. So, like, if you had this bomb, this is the ultimate way to use it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, for the maximum damage it could possibly be dealt. Um, the entire castle, uh, Anorak, has also been destroyed, like, taken down to its foundation. Um, and, like, all gear is gone, um, we learn. And Wade is there, and he has none of his stuff. He only has his, like, starting attire. He's the same level, but he doesn't have any of his items. Um, and so he can't fly up to the gate. Um, which I don't know, like, I feel like, um, if I had an extra life yet, I still lost all of my gear. I'd be pretty pissed. I'm like, come on. Yeah. I guess it's cool that it preserves your avatar level, but like, that's like a shitty half measure. You you still lose all your gear. You should be able to at least pick up your gear or something, but I guess it all got like destroyed besides the artifacts. Like we find out. Yeah. The bomb in the bomb. That's true. I guess if you, yeah, you would normally be able to pick up your own gear, but the bomb literally kills everything. Um, but yeah, we learned that the artifacts are indestructible. And that if there are any artifacts in the on the field, like those are the things that you can use. So he goes around and he finds first off he finds the beta capsule, um, but he can't use it again because it was a one time per day use. Because um, he needs to fly up to where the door is, like he can't reach to the door. Um, and he also learns that the Sixers knew this was going to happen, like this was their plan. That was why they detonated the bomb. They wanted the gate to. They wanted to learn how to open the gate from Parzival, basically. 
Yeah, and then you detonate the bomb before they can go in. So this was all, this was like another part of their plan, which is pretty smart. And then so they have these people in the next nearby sector who are like flying over as fast as possible. So it's a race against the clock. Artemis reveals that her chucks uh, are uh, actually art, like some sort of artifact that make you have like super speed and fly. Um, so that's really cool. <laughs> and um, he goes and gets those and uses them to get up to the gate, goes into the gate. Um, well, before he goes into the gate, he he says he like makes this like grand announcement oh, yeah, yeah. that he's going to share yeah. any money, anything that he wins from this. He's going to share it with all of the high four. Yeah, he's going to split the prize money. I, I think he, um, I guess implied is also like control the company and all that stuff too. But I feel like maybe he should also said that. Yeah. But he just says prize money. So maybe not. Maybe he's he's retaining control of the company. But a lot of his wealth, a lot of um, Halliday's wealth is tied up in the company, I would think. Yeah. So it's probably like you can't separate those two. But I think it would have been cool to him for him to be like, we're going to form a, uh, you know, like a, a council to run the Oasis or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Would also have kind of been cool, but maybe too uh, businessy <laughs> for this book. <laughs> they agree to it. Um, and he says basically because he couldn't have gotten this far without them and, and, and it wouldn't have been right for him to claim it for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, he does get the glory. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, inside the gate, uh, we find out that he's he has to he's playing Tempest, which is crazy. Which because we a game we played at Ground Control. Did you did you realize that from the description of the game? Yeah, yeah, no, t- I totally remembered. I I was wondering. I was like, damn, I, did you you didn't remember that this was this one was in the movie? Did you? We just happened to play it. So. So I honestly had like a vague, like Joust was the only game for sure I knew was in there and Mm Pac-Man. But my other memories of what the games were, because they're all games I'd never played before. You know what I mean? I was like, I think this one and I think that one. So no, I didn't remember specifically, but I I did. I think he even said like, this might be one of the ones from the Mm -hmm. book as we played it. Yeah. Um, and it totally was. I, I didn't remember that it was the final gate one. You know what I mean? And all that. I'm glad we played it. Um, It's so goddamn hard though. It was like, holy fuck. Yeah. So we find out that there's there's this exploit you can do where if you die at a certain score, you get 40 lives. Um, and I wondered, I'm like, I wonder if the one at ground control, if you can do this exploit, yeah. you know what I mean? I wonder, if, or probably not, but they it was a devoted Tempest system, not um, as, you know, the Joust was actually in a multi-Williams thing where it was like multiple games. Mm-hmm. Um, their Tempest was not like that. Like it was a standalone Tempest yeah, game. Yeah, with the wheel, the, you know, dial, with, everything. Yeah, everything. It was awesome. So yeah, if you ever want to play this game in its like real form, go to Ground Control <laughs> <laughs> in Portland. Um, so yeah, he does that. He gets forty lives, and he starts working through it. Because we learned that this isn't this isn't a game he's very good at. It wasn't one he's really practiced. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Artemis gives him some shit about it because he doesn't. Um, one of the cl- he should have yeah, known. One of I the guess. clues like was was basically about Shakespeare's The Tempest, and then it like he yeah. should have known yeah. that it was The Tempest. Yeah, and that was something he missed. So, the, yeah, he has to rely on their help, I guess, for this. Um, he, they, he also learns um, as he's doing it that um, he's actually being broadcast. Like there's like a little video of him doing this next to his name on the high score list. Um, that happens for anybody who enters. And so because of that, they also know that about 10 different Sixers have now shown up and are starting to do the same thing. So he's like in a race against them mm-hmm. to do it. He is able to beat uh, Halliday's high score, which is his one requirement. And then... Um, completes this section and we find out that this is like a multi-part gate i guess Mm -hmm. and so the next part is um i think maybe the like (laughs) silliest but i don't know he saves it for the very end i guess Mm -hmm. but it's the most like in your face moment because it's monty python and the holy grail which like everybody's seen Mm -hmm. 
and he literally does a flick sync with that, which I think would be a very popular movie for this, probably. Yeah. Um, what did you What did you think of this part? I mean, was it more just like, oh, cool, this is a great reference, or was it like too much? No, man, I, it was never too much for me. I, I, like, I was I was okay. all on board, and I actually, as soon as I finished the book, re- rewatched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, literally, just finished did it a couple really? hours ago. Yeah. I fucking love it's that so movie. Funny, so man. That, that's awesome. It, it, uh, it's so it, I hadn't seen it in yeah. like probably like five to ten years. Like it had been a long time. So I was like, I gotta jump back in. It's been too long. Oh man, such a good movie. Such a good movie. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm glad then. Um, I I think for me, even the first time I read it, I remember like this was the only time where it was like almost too much. Yeah. Um, and I think what it the reason is also to the narrative where the narrative's at and the high tension and the like race to the end aspect of it. It feels kind of like it comes to a halt. Mm-hmm as he's doing this silly movie and making all these jokes. And there's even a part, and it's kind of fun to hear Will Wheaton do the voices, but in the audiobook, Will Wheaton literally recites like a whole scene from the movie yeah. almost. I don't know, like narratively, like a lot of the tension kind of evaporates in this moment, but it is like this funny reveal and it's at the end of the book. So if you're going to do it, this is the time, I guess, I guess. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I guess it does work for me, but it's probably just because I love the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was is like ultimately like this is how I like I was I was like less excited than than when I found out about the the Blade Runner thing was my favorite reference I think probably but like okay, cool. I've been really happy about all of the each of the keys and the gates I've kind of well yeah even if I don't know it I find it cool how he's how he's able to thread all this stuff together to be clues and I don't know I, it's funny too because I also you also have to picture Sorrento doing all of the Monty Python lines and stuff I, like to like I don't know it's kind of funny for me to imagine him doing this stuff sometimes that's what I was saying and like the, he, you get bonus score for like the inflection so like is he actually like a like is he does he maybe he is like a huge 80s fan too like you would have to be yeah well he was a game programmer he said before this so like his credentials are that yeah I guess he is yeah. like really good at the stuff he's just doing it for an evil organization right. <laughs> But yeah, so and then the final section he gets to after he completes that is he gets into this warehouse and in 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 this room in the order of how they came out is like all the gaming systems ever made. And um, it's like a recreation of uh, Halliday's study or something. And it's a lineage of all the gaming systems. Right. And it goes from like the very first computer game computers to the Oasis mm-hmm. through all of the consoles. Right. And he thinks, okay, the Easter egg is hidden in this room somewhere. He finds out that he has no communication anymore with H and them, which like I was like, couldn't they just pop their head into the room and talk to him IRL if they really wanted to talk to him? But they're like, oh, we can't talk to him. But he's like a room over. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> he just has like funny. ears. He has like something in his ear. Like the, the Oasis goes over his ears or something. But yeah. So like literally can't hear someone speaking to him in the same room. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny because you just pop an earbud out and listen to someone talk to you, I guess. Um, but so anyway, he, he can't have any communication. It's more dramat- dramatically interesting. Um, he boots up an old computer. He gets a login prompt, prompt, and basically he has to come up with the password. And he, you know, he tries all these different things, and then he remembers the story that Ogden told, and he thinks about how Halliday um, loved Kira and so he tries Kira, but that doesn't work. And then eventually he realizes that in part of his backstory is that Halliday couldn't like was such a weird, awkward guy that he always referred to her by her um, D&D character's name. Um, and then so he enters that. And that's what it, that is the password. Yeah. So I I don't know how you felt ultimately about like where all the love stories and the, that kind of stuff landed. But I actually did find like the Ogden uh, Halliday kira thing like like pretty interesting and ultimately i think that where the story ends up 
because of their story, the context of their story kind of at the very end, like it's not like it's built up very like super well, but I feel like at the very end, I like it made it even made Percival and, and uh, Artemis's story a little more uh, gave it a little more depth, I feel like. But it was okay. right at the very end. It was just like, boom, here, now let's make this okay, more powerful. So, when, and, what, so you're saying there's another moment at the end that made you think well, of just, it? Well, just, just the idea that now at the end that they're trying to like draw correlations between like how he, like Halliday's like, I spent too much time worrying about this stuff and like I loved Kira right. and this and that. And like, I, like he didn't, you know what I mean? He didn't, he, he was so involved in that. He never went to like live a full life. And he kind of says to Percival. So you're talking a little bit about the next scene, right, but yeah. yeah. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. Well, that's fine. So, yeah, in the next scene, he goes up because um, he's, he's completed it now and like a door opens. He goes up a staircase and he talks to literally Anorak, you know, um, Halliday's avatar. And he like shakes hands with him and he says like, you know, you've completed the game or whatever. Shakes hands with him and like all of his powers transfer to um, to Parzival now. Including his, his clothes, he, like the... Including his robe yeah. and everything. Yeah. So I, mean, I imagine <laughs> and, like, um, a, like a young man with a, with a full wizard gear on. Yeah, um, and then uh, so Halliday's avatar returns to like you know just like street clothes, and he has this conversation with him, and he's like, "I hope you, you know." First off, I hope you use this for good, and then he says like, "You know, make sure you don't lose yourself in this in this simulation kind of thing," and and it kind of says, "You know, the real world um, is the only place where anything real happens," and you know, don't ever forget that like I did. Um, did you did you think that that's kind of do you did you take away, that away as the message of this book or is that more just like lip service? I don't think that that was the message of this book. I think that I think that it was a good th- it's a good thing to say at the end because it is definitely true. And I think that the implication is that Percival will have a more f- full like whole life than than Halliday had because of his experiences and the w- the things that he's get in a second like the things that he realizes like. Oh, there there is stuff going on out here, and things are important. Yeah, and it's it's like a it's like a cautionary thing to like in you know everything in moderation, right? Which is is always good, and it's like you know enjoy the oasis, but don't do it in lieu of having a you know a life outside of it. I yeah. guess right. Right. So it's it's a bit of both. It's like yeah, you know we all love this thing, but make sure you don't let it become your entire life because ultimately that'll be kind of empty. Yeah, and he it sounds like he kind of regrets it. Last little. Uh, oasis thing here before we move on you want to talk about Chekhov's gun the the thing that he yeah. reveals to him at the end yeah. and to have that do the, nothing the giant button. yes he's like uh halliday yeah. reveals this giant red button that only he has access that only halliday and now parsifal has access to that can just shut down the entire oasis which i was like okay yeah. why reveal that i mean i guess maybe for a sequel but like why reveal that if you're one, you're not going to yeah. shut down the. I was like, when he revealed it, I was like, okay, so he's going to shut down the oasis and he's going to force everybody to live in the real world and make try to f- make things better in the real world, and then he doesn't, <laughs> and it's just a red button yeah. that, was, that was shown up for really no. It's it's the idea that if this simulation gets out of hand ever, it's like it's like an escape button. It's a um, and it gives him the ultimate power to shut it all down if he needs to. Yeah, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Like, why introduce it if it's not going to be used? But uh, it's also like a um, a power thing for for Wade too. Like he has the power if he needs to mm-hmm. 
to where he if this you know if this really well i think that was assumed like i just thought that was assumed that like now that he has control of the company that like if he wants to he could shut it all down he didn't necessarily need a red button that would do it <laughs> big red yeah. button but i mean it's all it's all ready to go and all you got to do is you know yeah accidentally hit it or something yeah. <laughs> um yeah yeah i guess i can see what you're saying but um yeah and it's interesting that he doesn't reveal it to the others like he keeps that bit for himself um at the end right like he doesn't mention it to them because they didn't see this part yeah i don't think no he says i'll tell you about it later though yeah okay so so he is going to tell him eventually um but maybe he just wants to keep it more secret just between them Mm -hmm. um but yeah because maybe the the idea that he has this power if that got out it would be like too much for people to know that he can do that it would be a whole new easter egg maybe for another story for another novel yeah, who knows, man? Um, I, we, we can talk about it at the end, but there is rumors that he's working on Ready, Ready Player Two. Um, and could this potentially be part of what's in that plot line? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though. So so he, he he has this like God moment where he goes out onto the battlefield and all of the Sixers have been spit out. And he now like can just like snap his fingers and they all die. Um, and then he because uh, he has he's level infinite. He's he has he has like billions of you know dollars he has all these new abilities he can do whatever he wants now this also kind of ruins the game i don't know about you man but like what do you do people like i always feel like i always feel like you want you this sounds cool but then you're gonna be like it's just cheat codes yeah it's it. cheat codes when you type in, in your cheat, cheat codes, codes it's not yeah. fun anymore but on the other hand you're also playing in something that has become essentially reality so it's like if you had cheat codes in real life yeah I mean, you I know, guess, and he, you're the only one who can have them. That's pretty. Like, you're gonna have fun with that, I yeah, guess. He, you can become a superhero. He has to play God so. in this world now. He has to like decide new things to create and yeah. new things to do. He can never. He can never go back to just being an avatar now, though. Like he is. Yeah. He is this now, right? right. So yeah, it's, it's it it changes his experience with it for sure. Um, but yeah, he uh, so he d- he does that and he's able to do that and in in a, in, a, in like cosmic timing, of course. Um, uh, we also learned that Sorrento is getting like hauled out of the IOI offices and you know being arrested to be uh, put on trial for the murder and all this stuff. So it's like kind of funny because it's like, well, if he had won, wouldn't this still have happened? Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> I guess he would have had more money because he would have he would have won the contest and he would have the money to like maybe bail himself out. Mm-hmm. There's also an implication that he's going to get away scot free anyway. Right. So he could potentially be the you know a bad guy in another book if there is another one. Oh, he also uh, uh, resurrects all of their avatars. That's the last thing he With does. With all their gear, yeah. He resurrects, um, which is actually kind of interesting. So he resurrects the High Force avatars, but not everyone else's. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'd be kind of pissed if I participated in that battle. My avatar got killed by the bomb, and then I didn't get a free life out of it. And I knew that it could have happened. You know what yeah. I mean? Even if I didn't do a lot, I'd still be like, hey, come on. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I would think he would restore everybody who died. Maybe that would be too hard to do because he had to he had to like list the names by hand and like spell them correctly and everything. So he could potentially do that in the future, I guess. But it would be a long process. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, but anyway, so he le- he exits the Oasis and he's like because he, he finds out that Artemis wants to meet him. And she's at the center of this like hedge maze. <laughs> um, in IRL. I thought it was going to be the hedge and maze from, to- from The Shining, by the way. Oh yeah, that would. I was like, he's gonna throw one more <laughs> out at the very end. <laughs> in the Shining of all, like we'll end on a Shining reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit too dark for, for this. Sure. <laughs> Instead, um, it, I guess it's shaped like the game Adventure, mm-hmm. um, which is like one of the first games and with the first Easter egg and all this stuff. Oh, that's also I forgot that he has to play Adventure to get the actual egg at the end. Right. 
It's very brief, but that that is actually on the computer when he unlocks it. That's how he gets the egg. He has to play adventure, and then he finds after the Monty Python Easter egg. Yeah. After Monty Python, he goes into that area that was like all the old game consoles, and he plays adventure. And he has to put in the code. And he goes to the yeah. the Easter egg spot where the first programmer put that the programmer put his name because they wouldn't let him. We talked about it in another episode. In the first, our first uh, episode, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, yeah, I somehow blew up. That. <laughs> um, anyway, so they have they have this moment where he they kind of look at each other for the first time in real life, um, say some sappy things to each other. And uh, she kisses him and they, you know, it, it, it's a little bit like, you know, you got to get to know me and, 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 and all this stuff. But he's all head over heels and like, yeah, I want to marry you. Basically, <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he wants to be with you forever and all this yeah. stuff. So um, professes his love. He gets the girl in the end and um, we cap off this kind of ultimate wish fulfillment thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's everything possibly that could go right for Wade does. Um, and it ends on this kind of sweet note where they're kind of together yeah, he finds that he has no desire to log back into the Oasis is the other thing that it ends on um, because he's found this like real life connection. Right. So I think that's also an, an interesting subversion of the overall plot of the book of like, you know, this is all badass and awesome is the idea that like now that he has like a real life connection outside of it, he doesn't feel the need to go back. Right. Um, oh, and they decide they're going to they're going to he wants to help the world. He's like come over to her side now. He doesn't want to do his like spaceship plan anymore. Now he wants to 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 save the world and, and do humanitarian efforts and yeah. all this stuff, right? Help the environment, get rid and, of world hunger, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's the end of the novel. So uh, do you want to go over some final thoughts and then I have some final questions for so you. So final thoughts. I really enjoyed the story. Um, I can totally understand if people don't enjoy it quite as much as I did. There are things in it that I think we've agreed are could have been could have leaned into certain things more. Well, what what about this ending scene in particular, too, before we get past okay. this? Like, what did you think of this final scene with... I, I, I Like I was saying before, um, I felt like with the context of the relationship of Og and Kira um, yeah. and, and Halliday in there as well, you see, like, the importance of even though Halliday loved all this stuff and created all this stuff, he was like a hermit that wouldn't, didn't take part in real life. And you, you kind of see that, like, he's learning from his mistakes or his examples. Like, Percival's learning from Halliday's mistakes or examples and he's like saying like he has no desire to go back to the oasis and he wants to do humanitarian things which uh, like like halliday could have done rather than creating a contest you know what i mean like when he knew he was dying yeah. he could have tried to save the world before he died or something um right right why wasn't halliday already doing all this exactly. stuff yeah i mean uh, i mean it, this like i said wish fulfillment this is this is um the happily ever after ending for wade um he does kind of win the girl in kind of a tropey, cliched way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she is kind of the ultimate prize at the end, which is kind of dehumanizing. Um, I've seen criticism where people say that she's a pretty flat character. But I would argue that everybody is in this book, other than maybe Wade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much everybody in this book is is not a super round, realized pers- individual. They all are fairly... Um, they, play, they have parts to play in this story, Definitely. and they all play their parts, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, if you want to say that he's not great at characterization in general, I think that's a fair criticism, but, um, otherwise I, th- I, I mean, I think she is an okay character. She's, she's very capable. She's good at her video games. You know, there's a strong implication that she could have won this whole thing if she hadn't, if she had got the extra life, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like she was just as good as him, I guess. Um, and, and I think their relationship, I, I, I think you can be jaded and look at it as, 
from his point of view and say that it's all male oriented and stuff. But I, I felt like there was a genuine connection there that was earned um, over shared interests and all that stuff. So, and there are people who have relationships that start over video games and stuff. And absolutely you can find common ground in, in, in gaming and that sort of thing. So people, you know, get married to people they meet on world of Warcraft. Yep. So it happens. Definitely. And I think that this is a, this is a fair representation of how that kind of romance can go down. I think. Yeah, I was I kind of think of this this story in a, in the sense of like a John Hughes film where it's like almost like high school. There's the the main character, the best friend, and like yes, I agree that like subverting these these characters and the and the tropes that come along with them would have been like would have been more powerful and would have meant more. And like as much as that isn't very forward thinking, that's kind of the the yeah. lens that I see this through. Um and I think that's sure. part of the reason why I enjoy it. It's cuz I kind of just put put that lens on it. And, yeah, and recognize it, that that's what this mm-hmm. is. So I have two big things I want to talk about here at the end. I want to talk about the controversy and backlash to this book, and I want to talk about the contest that Ernest Klein put on um, in his novel. Okay. Um, what order do you Let's want to talk, talk about? Let's talk about the controversy. <laughs> or do you think we're kind of, you know, we were talking about it some. Save, save the contest for the end. The contest is really yeah. fun. So if, you know, stay tuned for that. Um, we'll just briefly get into the controversy. I, I, I read some interesting stuff about it. So... So the backlash to this book seems to be all caught up in Gamergate, mm-hmm. which we mentioned in our first episode. When this book came out in 2011, um, it was basically like people liked it. It was fun. It was like, oh, this is a very light popcorn beach read kind of book and whatever. So like culture didn't really react to it. But in 2015, um, Gamergate happened where um, a bunch of really shitty you know, man babies uh, all got really upset about women being in gaming and like criticizing and wanting feminist games and wanting um, inclusive games and got really nasty and like, you know, death threats, rape threats. And it like really kicked off. People were harassed um, and all this stuff. Right. And then what happened is people started to realize and identify this book as kind of the quintessential distillation of gaming and like white guy nerd culture and the idea that the book is literally about the biggest nerd getting through gates that keep out people who are not as big a nerds so it the book in a sense can be said to be all about gatekeeping which is the whole thing about gamergate is that you have to pass these tests and prove that you're a true nerd you know what i mean right and, and all this shit that they were saying people weren't able to do and that people of color and that women are not true nerds for this and that reason. And so it was all about gatekeeping. And so the idea that this book like somehow represents that, um, it's got a white guy main character um, who wins the, you know, saves the world by being the biggest nerd and um, proving himself in a series of tests. And um, yeah, he gets the girl and it's very, you know, like we've talked about a lot of the problems along the mm-hmm. way. But in the lens of that, people started to view this book, you know right. what I mean, as 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 like that thing, like wish fulfillment for the white guy nerd who just wants to get the girl and, and doesn't care. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm doing I, I could do a better job at explaining that and like all the reasons that this book, mm-hmm. I think, represents that to people. Um, but that's that's the gist of it, I guess. And what, what do you think about that? I can definitely see that as as a perspective on this story. And it's unfortunate. It just sucks because it's like there's a there's you know there's certain groups within gaming that are very toxic. Period. And then yeah. you group that with the fact that like a lot of them 
go out of their way to be hurtful and stuff. And I've always seen gaming and community gaming as like something that should be inclusive. It's something that like you have more sure. fun when you're playing with other people and and the idea of, oh, I have more knowledge, so I'm better and this that kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I get that there's like a competitive nature to it and that kind of thing, but it's just really unfortunate because a group like that was able to you know and it is like you said it's gatekeeping it's it's telling people of color people of a certain gender and that they they can't do this because of x y and z and i just think that like Mm -hmm. i can definitely see where this this represents that um but i i you i would say that i don't think that ernest klein is the kind of person to be like gatekeeping towards you know what i mean towards a certain group of people i think that his book just happens to be about that kind of stuff. And it's unfortunate connection that was made. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess that's, I kind of follow the similar way. Like I, I, I don't know a lot about Ernest Klein. I haven't heard him talk about this in particular. I'd be interested to see if he's addressed it. Um, but to me, like I said, I don't think this book is a, is at all supportive of that. You know what I mean? Way of thinking. I think it's completely the other side of it. And I, there's nothing in here that says, you know, you should harass people and, and, and you know, like be toxic about it. Um, it's more of celebratory, right? It's more about like a shared interest. Now, you could say the things he's celebrating are often these backwards um, movies and such that weren't inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's all bound up in it. But I don't know. Like I, like I said, I think it, it, at its heart, this book is trying to be forward thinking. I think it's trying to reach out to people who are maybe sheltered and 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 don't think about other people and 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 broaden their horizons. But I, I, I don't know. You know I mean, it's a, it's a cultural thing, and the fact that this book kind of became the scapegoat of that. Um, it, yeah, I feel like. I mean, I don't feel that bad for Ernest Klein because he's got plenty of money and he's got plenty of fame. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of sucks that your book has now become this like poster child of this thing, right? And that people fight over it when they're really fighting about Gamergate and they're fighting about white guy gamers and, and how toxic that can be. And that all gets bound up in your book somehow and you never really intended it for, to be that. Like I could, I could, I feel like I'd be pretty upset about that. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because I, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, like we said, if you have different, if you have a different background, um, you pick up on that more quickly, I think, than we probably mm-hmm. did. Um, and and yeah, especially now in the light of Gamergate, that's a big that's a big issue. Um, I, d- I do think there's a chance for Spielberg to maybe do something with this movie to maybe handle some of this stuff better. So I'll be interested to see if he does or if it's just kind of more of the same. You know what I mean? But like, I, I hope that maybe something about this movie can can take a step in the right direction. Yeah, that'd be cool for this story. Yeah, if he leaned into some of the things that that in twenty eleven Ernest Klein didn't, it would be it would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll see because um, apparently Armada came out right in like the middle of Gamergate, and Ernest Klein got black. Like that book got panned basically because of of this whole gamer thing. And it was like more because it was very much like I haven't read it, but supposedly it's very much gamer wish fulfillment. Another kind of book, a lot like Ready Player One. And people were not ready to just be like, oh, this is a fun bit of nerd. You know, it's more like this is really toxic. Right. And, and, and you know, and whether or not that's fair, I don't know. I haven't read the book. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, he, you know, his next novel, what if he if he if he comes at it from a slightly different way and, and, and does something to subvert that thinking or 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 not i don't yeah. know i'm sure i'm sure he'll do something because 
if he does, you know what I mean? If he does believe that, that his book is being skewed in that way, he'll do something because it seems like he's making strides to open those people who are like, you know, narrow minded and think in a certain, that this book is representative of that. Like the people who are seeing it and seeing, oh, I should be toxic towards others. I think that he'll, you know, he'll punch back against that and kind of just like, well, and we should say that there are people like that. Um, I've seen some of it on Twitter. Um, like there literally was a guy who tweeted and of course it got picked up because of how like outrageous it was. But he was saying something like, I think it was an article that someone published that was like, um, Ready Player One is poised to be the Black Panther for for geeks. And Crazy. that's just so wrongheaded. And so like, it's so ridiculous to say that. And and so when people are doing that, like you can obviously see there's gonna be a huge backlash against that of like, are, are you kidding me? Geeks are not a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> race that's been historically you know, subject exactly. to all this historical. Yeah. Anyway, crazy, man. It's, 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 it sucks. And whenever I see that, I'm like, oh my God, you're, you're making it all worse by doing shit like this. Cause like, I don't view this book at all like that. Like, it's just, it's just to me a bit of fun popcorn. You know what I mean? Like, it's not trying to be all this other stuff. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate. I think that it, it got caught up in this kind of culture, um, clash and, you know, whether fairly or unfairly, I guess that's, you know, up for people to debate. Cause often, you know, you know, Star Wars has this too. Like it gets dragged into these things and everybody looks at it from a different lens and uses it as a weapon to attack each other right. and, and all this stuff. Yeah, man. Crazy world we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> when we aren't going to solve it all on this podcast, uh, we are two white guys. So, you know, everything we say, take with that grain of salt. Um, Definitely, <laughs> but let's move on to the to the contest. I think because the contest is a bit of fun that I think everyone can enjoy. Yeah. So tell um, me about this. So, so I uh, this is a bit spoilery. So if you want to like find out about it yourself, don't listen to this part. I guess, but um, there is some misspelled words, um, and I don't know exactly what they were, but there's some misspelled words in the book itself. And apparently, if you you can use those misspelled words to spell out a um, a uh, web address. You go to this web address, and and um, actually, I can give it to you. Yes, okay. So the web address is anoraxalmanac.com, and it's spelled like anorak from the from mm-hmm. the book. Um, you go to that, and there is an old Atari game called The Stacks, and it's made to look like Atari, but it's called The Stacks, like the stacks right. in the book, right? And you click on it, and apparently it's a game that you can play. And you have to um, beat it. And when you beat it, um, you, you like I think you have to beat the entire game, you um, unlock the gate, which takes you to the next part of the game. Um, the next part of the game is a game that was developed by this, like apparently he's like a famous famous game designer who, um, I don't know his like I didn't recognize his name, but he's a big deal game designer who actually d- designed this next game. Um, the next game is like you're, you have to build a DeLorean, <laughs> like literally like time traveling DeLorean right. um, without like spending any money or something. And you're like in a garage and like all this stuff. Um, it all looks like I've seen like screen caps of it. It all looks like very eight bit and like retro looking. Wow. Um, and so you have to be, you have to build this DeLorean. And so um, people did this and people unlock this next part. And then you have to, you had to send a, um, at the end of this, you have to send like a screen cap of you. It's apparently it's a very hard game. It sounds like but, it. Um, you have to send, you have to send a screen cap of you at the end screen. Um, and then that got you qualified for the final phase, the third phase of this um, contest, which was you had to set the new world wec- record for one of like six games. And it was like Pac-Man, Joust, um, Tempest, 
Black Tiger and like all games from this, you had to set a world record. You had to be one of these people who did all this and then you had to set a new world record in one of these games. And the first person to do, to set a world record in one of those games of high score won the, won the prize, which ended up being, um, the, uh, a copy of the DeLorean from the, uh, from the book that, uh, Ernest Klein actually has, you know, like with the ghost busting on the side and all that stuff. And that was, that was <laughs> so the prize he gave you know, the person that would be impossible to do. And a guy, a guy, so, so a guy did it and he set it on, uh, on joust. He did it on joust. That's crazy, man. Yeah. On joust. That's so cool. Uh, the guy who actually ended up winning it. I can't believe that, man. That's yeah. insane. That's such a, like, I, I thought it was going to be like win a couple games, win like one or two games. And it was like set a world record, yeah. be the highest score of all yeah, time. Set, you, had, you, had to do, you had to do all this stuff and then you had to set a world record on one of those Unbelievable. games. Unbelievable. To win the contest. So crazy. Yeah. It was, I hope it was worth it because that take, that sounds like a lot of time. <laughs> the, I mean, the DeLorean yeah, is pretty I mean, sweet. That's, so. that's so cool though, right? That's awesome. And yeah, the fact that he had two video games made. Like the Stacks was not a real right. game. Like it was an Atari game that he had made, and then he had this other game made that you only could unlock through doing these things. Like it's I don't know, it's really cool. Um, awesome, man. I love when people go the extra mile like that to to add something to their sure. releases or kind of just ARG stuff. This is so cool. Absolutely, man. So I uh, I guess all we have left to talk about is this movie. Um, that's going to be next up. We're gonna we're gonna see this movie. We're going to compare it to the novel. We're going to talk about all this stuff again. Um, what what are you most excited for for the movie? Um, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see this in general. I'm excited to see the references that he that Spielberg decides to go with rather than the Klein references, just because I'm I'm assuming there will yeah. be a lot of differences. Um, I'm hoping that it I have as much fun that I did with the book. I'm yeah. hoping it's that much fun. Uh, and I mean, I love Spielberg, man. I'm just like I love Spielberg. You know, his some of his newer stuff isn't is isn't as incredibly groundbreaking as like you know his his ets and his his like mm-hmm. close encounters of and jaws and so i i would yeah. love to see like a return to form where he's like really i love that he's diving into another like adventure film because i feel like that's his bread and butter and sure. so i'm just excited yeah man I, I yeah me too um i i i like i said i have i have high hopes and i and i hope that i hope that this movie does something to kind of bridge bridge the divide here mm-hmm. now um and it's unfortunate because you know just to reference back to the to the controversy a little bit like i feel like there's a bit of a kind of shitty implication that can get made that if you're a fan of this book that you know what i mean that you're like ignorant of all these problems and that you are maybe even support this kind of shit like it's it's become there's the unfortunate retroactive thing of like you can be you can be labeled as something as supporting something that you don't necessarily just because you like this book well i hope that listening to this coverage people people realize that we we understand and acknowledge some of that stuff and and there's been toxic toxicity in both in both directions but ultimately like there are some valid things that that could have been done to to make this a little you know stronger and and more forward thinking but it's also not yeah. a bad thing to like it. I mean, I think most, like of the, most of the toxic stuff comes from one side, yeah. but um, the rest I mean, is more, uh, more yeah. defensive. I think I want to retract <laughs> that. I don't want to say that there, were, there was yeah. <laughs> toxicity from both sides. I think there was toxicity mainly from one side, and then there's the yeah. idea that if you like it, you are like those people who are toxic. Right, which, yeah, which is, I think, just an unfortunate, it's like way of bringing in... Um, I don't know if you want to call this book innocent, but you know, kind of just this fun romp that gets that's now this, you know, cudgel that people wield at each other. 
All right, so if you enjoyed this coverage, a good way to connect with us is on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, at Ink to Film on all three. We'd love to have you come connect with us, and we can can talk about this book more. Yeah, definitely. And if you wanted to send us feedback in any way, we if you liked things from Ready Player One, things you're excited to see in the movie, anything about our upcoming project, Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. And uh, Fahrenheit 451. Set, you can send that in. We have a, a Gmail. It's inktofilm at gmail.com. And we, we definitely read all the stuff that comes through there. And further, if you are enjoying this and you liked our coverage, the best way you can uh, support us is to subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. That really helps us to get our uh, to raise our profile and get our, get our uh, podcast out there to more people, which is our goal. Yeah, and also, if you wanted to support the podcast, we also have a new newsletter that we recently released. Oh, yeah. That you can subscribe to there'll be a link in the in the description of this episode and you can subscribe yep. to get all the updates sometimes we put stuff on there early we're, or at least we're going to be putting stuff on there early before we even announce it on the podcast or on social media so definitely subscribe to that lastly we just want to say thank you to audible they gave us an affiliate link it's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film and with that you get 30 free days to their service and one free audiobook in their collection yeah and we wanted to say thank you to crown publishing who uh provided us with copies of this book to raffle off and and movie posters that we raffled off as well so you know big thank you to them they 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 really hooked us up for this project Definitely. And thank you to Technoax's royalty-free music for the use of our intro and outro music. Which is great, by the way. I'm really loving this one. Um, it's a lot, a lot of fun. So go check out their 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 stuff on YouTube and, 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 and if you want to hear more of that song. Absolutely. All right. I think that's it. We're going to be returning next week with our movie episode. So we hope you come back for that. I mean, it's all been building up to this. So we hope you, you go see it and, and, and come check it out and, and listen to our episode. Um, until then, I'm Luke. And I'm James. Final gate complete. <laughs>